The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's number one rated sportsbook app. And by the way, what a glorious time to have the DraftKings Sportsbook app or the DraftKings app on your phone with March Madness. Good day here on Tuesday, March 23rd. Take a little bit of a breather. We're down to 16. Steve and I will discuss this in a little bit and have a chance to recalibrate before we make some more bets over at DraftKings this week, they got a crazy offer again. You bet $1 on any of these teams. If they win, you get 100 So 100 to 1 odds. More on that in a little bit. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years. Washington, Cowboys, Bills. Where else? New England, Cleveland. A bunch of podcasts. Ryan Fitzpatrick was awesome yesterday. If you did not listen to the Ross Tucker football podcast yesterday, you missed out. Some really interesting things about Tua Tungavailoa and Fitz proposing to his wife at a McDonald's attached to a gas station. Yes, the Harvard man. Unbelievable. Definitely check out the Ross Tucker football podcast Next week, by the way, here on the Even Money Podcast, finally, we've been advertising it for a while. We are diving into the numbers on 2020 and beyond for more detail into just how Steve and I have done over the years betting on the NFL here on the Even Money Podcast. Check me out on social, always at Ross Tucker NFL. We're at Ross Tucker Pod. Love those that rate and review the show or spread the word via social media. The star of the show, of course, is Mr. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling. That is the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino. Steve, good morning. How are you? It's a different kind of Tuesday after four straight days of intense March madness, Ross. At Fezzik Sports and only at Fezzik Sports. Well, let's start with that, Steve. We want to do a little bit of a 
free agency recap in the NFL so far and our thoughts on some of the moves these teams have made. But, you know, we've had however many games. We're down to 16. How did you do? What, what give us the breakdown? I had a good tournament, not a great tournament. You know, the number one thing that stood out to me was all the games were in Indiana. And because of that, I think the Big Ten was uniquely qualified to have a good tournament. And the fact that with nine teams in the tournament, only Michigan, one team, made the Sweet 16. This is shocking, Ross. It's absolutely shocking. Think about this. Three Pac-12 teams are in the Sweet 16. If I offered you a bet, number of teams in the Sweet 16, Pac-12 minus one and a half versus Big Ten, I don't know about you, but I think I would have risked a thousand to make one dollar that with the Big Ten plus one and a half, and I would have lost. Wow, it's a really good point. You know, I hadn't thought about the fact that all the games are Indianapolis, Steve. I wonder maybe the Big Ten guys had more of their family and friends around, and they were seeing them in the hotel when they were distracted. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the protocols are, but there had to be something going on. I can tell you historically, one of the trends the wise guys like to bet on is just blindly betting a team that's playing in their home state in the tournaments. So I can't believe that that's the reason the Big Ten just fell on their face. I think it was just about there weren't very many non-conference games. And I just think the Big Ten was overrated across the board. And I will say this, how bad are the Nebraskas of the world? How bad are the Northwesterns of the world all of a sudden? The bad Big Ten teams, when you look at the fact that they're getting pounded by these teams that obviously were not as good as we thought they were. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's a big enough sample size that the Big Ten wasn't nearly as good as everybody thought they were. But I think you're right, Steve. There was such a limited non-conference schedule that we really didn't get a chance to have a great grasp of who really was, which conferences were good and which weren't. We mainly just went on how they played against each other in conference and on reputation. Absolutely. You know, and one thing that it does seem to me, and this is kind of a quirky physics theory, and it certainly doesn't apply to the NBA where everyone's a professional, but I went to school in Chicago, Ross, and I can tell you after a Midwestern winter, I was worn down. I did not, I wasn't in shape. I put on 10 pounds every winter time. And I just got to wonder whether teams from Texas, teams on the West Coast with the better weather, especially in a weird COVID year and everything going on, did not have an advantage versus the teams that had to suffer through what was a bad winter in the Midwest. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting point, Steve. I, I mean, I, look, it's, it's, it was surprising. Really surprising. And honestly, Steve, like Loyola beating Illinois, that game was not a fluke. It didn't feel like a fluke. It felt like Loyola was better. No question at all about it. It is, it is interesting how all the media is like, oh, Loyola, they were horribly misseeded, and you know they're a top 10 team. Well, where was all this information before the Illinois game, not after that? I will say this. Loyola is a, u- a unique animal. They have a very good center. Ross, I don't know if you could jump over the Sunday paper, even if you took out the ads. That guy needs to switch to offensive tackle, <laughs> ASAP. Cameron Crutwig. I can't help it, Steve. When I see guys like that 
all I th- and he'll end up playing in Europe. I don't know if he's an NBA player, but he'll probably end up playing in Europe. I just think, man. Now there aren't very many six ten, six eleven guys in the NFL, but still, he's got the frame. He's got the body type to be able to do it. No doubt about it. And you know, it was just a pleasure to see him up against you know Illinois, you know, stud center. And I'll play him, you know, even though obviously complete mismatch in terms of athleticism. But then again, you know, by the second half, the Illinois center sucking winds and and Crudwood's just going up and down the court. No problem. All right. So I think the big takeaway there for us is just when there's a limited non-conference schedule, we really can't feel like we can't feel strong about conference superiority or conference strength because we really don't know I'm not going to put too much into the location part of it certainly seemed to me like Michigan having those fans there helped them against LSU last night so it's hard for me to sit here and say that it's not good to be close to home or it's not good to have fans there because you know the Michigan players really fed off the energy of having a lot of fans at that game to beat LSU last night. What what are the takeaways, not takeaways, what are the lessons, if any, you have for people that want to bet on the Sweet 16, Steve? Well, I think that going back to the, the more of the same, when we saw the Big Ten struggling and the Pac-12 kicking butt, and then we had a game yesterday morning where we had Oregon against Purdue, and we had a buy-on conference, against, a buy-against conference, and I was on Oregon. I did get that one right. Here's a situation. You had a five-point underdog. I'm not so sure if those teams, if they didn't play tomorrow, I'm not sure that the line doesn't move four points based upon that one game. Oregon was clearly the superior team. As far as to answer your question, going into the Sweet 16, you know, this is a weird year. We're not going to play again until Saturday. Now, normally the basic strategy is take the Cinderella's and it strikes 12. They go home. And they celebrate, they're, they've overachieved, their year is a phenomenal success, so you want to fade those teams. Typically, I don't know about this year. I don't even know. i got to research the schedules. Ross, do you know how many of the teams are going back to their campuses? I assume most, but I, I haven't even researched that yet in this COVID year. No, I think they're all staying in Indy. Wow. I think for, for like procedure policies, for protocol, for testing – for CBS wanting to make sure those games are on TV. I think they're all staying there because uh, it looked to me like when I saw Cam Crutwig on some shows yesterday, he was in a hotel room. You know, he didn't go back to Chicago. They didn't drive back. They, he looked like he was in a hotel room in Indianapolis. I think they're all staying there, Steve. I think that really helps the Cinderella's because think about it. What's going to happen if Oregon State goes back to Wallace? They're going to absolutely be inundated they're going to suddenly be rock stars, and that distraction is not good. So the fact that everyone's staying, you know, in Indiana, I think favors the lesser teams. Steve, what is the prevent offense that's been costing teams? Yeah, so the prevent offense, Rutgers runs it. That's where you outplay a team for 36 minutes. You build a lead, you're the superior team, and you're going to win. But no, we'll go ahead and stop doing what we, we, we're doing. Similar to an NFL team that goes run, 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 punts late in the third quarter and stops trying to score. And you see that so often in college basketball. I'm going to make a bold statement. 
I would think most teams with the lead would be better off not even knowing they had the lead, not even running any time off the clock because it disrupts your offense. Now, I get it. You don't want to force up a shot really early in the shot clock. But so often, Ross, teams get the lead and they're so conservative. And even in the final minute, if I see one more game where a team's up two and there's a minute to play and they dribble 22 seconds and then they chuck some horrible 27-footer or get a shot clock violation, just score. Just run your offense. You score, you win. You go up four. It's completely misguided. Directionally, it makes a little sense. But if you look at the actual results, it fails. So there's no question that it's not wrong to shorten the game. What's wrong is to shorten the game at the expense of giving yourself a chance to score. You know, I'm okay with them taking 10 seconds off, but then get into your offense and get a good shot. You know, I see it all the time, Steve, in these end-of-game situations where they end up having just giving the ball to one guy who's isolated one-on-one and he ends up taking like a fadeaway three. They they get off some of the worst end-of-game shots. Like, those are the worst. Why would your end-of-game shot be the worst shot you've had the whole game when you had 12 seconds to get it off. Yeah. What, what's happened is that teams are so paranoid, rightfully so about letting the other team have a shot that they wind up shooting a horrendous shot. And this is just, you have to practice it so many different times. If the game is tied, I get it. You don't want your opponent to get a shot off, but if your opponent's out of timeouts, they're not going to get a shot off. You can shoot with four seconds left, and you're fine. If they do have a timeout, shoot with three. Give yourself an opportunity to get the put back. And you're right. Teams get in their offense too late in that situation. And the bottom line is that, um, oh, my goodness. You, I could write an entire book about it. It's like these college basketball players. I'm convinced half of them have never seen an NBA game because they don't even understand a two-for-one situation at the end of the first half which is just obvious to, I don't know, ninth graders playing. So I don't know why college basketball players, maybe there should be a class, basic basketball strategy. And if I see one more game at the end of the first half where a team scores a bucket with 37 seconds left and the team rushes to input the ball, hey, the game clock is running. The shot clock is not. Stall so you can have the final shot at the end of the first half. I digress. Let's talk about something else. Well, the thing I'll say, and I said it earlier, I'll say it again. 100 to 1 odds right now, DraftKings. Get the DraftKings Sportsbook on your phone if you haven't yet. Take one of these basketball games, Sweet 16, 100 to 1 odds. Now, the max bet's a dollar, and it's new customers only, but get in on it if you haven't done it before. Speaking of getting in on it, Steve, we've been talking a lot in recent weeks about the NBA MVP race. Now you've got LeBron with the high ankle sprain. What does that mean for the MVP race and for the Lakers? So this could be the most exciting MVP race we've ever seen in the NBA. What has happened? Well, we saw Embiid and LeBron, one and two, and they were both like plus 175 in the odds. Embiid hyperextended knee, LeBron high ankle sprain. Both of them are going to be out for substantial time. Both of them dropping the odds down to like six to one and beat it already missed a lot of games. The feeling is the Lakers without AD, you know, that their record is going to tank without LeBron now. So now Jokic is the favorite. I think last time I saw he was like plus 125. So he's become the NBA favorite. And you got all these guys 
that really had limited or no shot earlier in the year, like Luca, um, like uh, Damian Lillard, um, like Harden, moving up in terms of the odds. All these guys now are around 10 to 1. So I got to tell you, this thing is suddenly wide open, and it's remarkable how the two favorites both went down with injuries in um, Embiid and LeBron. It's a good point. Uh, I, I, you know, I wanted it to be Embiid. LeBron was going for it pretty clearly, and now there's a chance it's neither one of them, as we'll see how things – I have a buddy that has a Jokic ticket, so this might end up working out perfectly for him. All right, Steve, we're about halfway through, so let's dive into the NFL now. We talked about some of the moves last week. That was really pre-free agency, if you will. You had strong thoughts on the Washington football team – Bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, who was my uh, guest yesterday. By the way, I mentioned to him, Steve, that you had him as the 14th-ranked quarterback on yesterday's show. Um, he liked that, I think. And then, obviously, the Patriots, we talked about their spending spree. I've got a few teams, situations in my mind that I think are actionable or noteworthy I wanted to know, though, what sort of jumps out to your head uh, after the last week or so of free agency. Well, I had an epiphany, and I got to give credit to R.J. Bell because he actually you know, alerted me to this. So often we react in the media to things like, oh, New England, they opened up the pocketbook. Look at all these great signings. Look at all these receivers they brought in. And their divisional odds dropped from, I think they were like plus 550 to win the division to around plus 350. And did we really think New England wasn't going to, you know, use that salary cap money? No. And so one thing I'm going to start actively doing much more of is before any of these signings, just look who has the most money available to sign free agents because you know they're going to use it. And then the market's going to react. Oh, that they picked up a really nice wide receiver. Two good tight ends. This is really favorable for the team. Bottom line, it really doesn't matter where you spend the money as long as you don't spend it completely foolishly, why not bet on those teams before they acquire these players and the market then goes ahead and reacts to that news, bet before that reaction, get better odds. Ooh, that's interesting. Now, even though you don't know who they're going to get, even it's, it's, it's really like during the season, Steve, when you just know the line's going to move in a certain direction and you're just trying to get closing line value. Absolutely right. So, you know, to draw an analogy, boom, Ryan Fitzpatrick is suddenly out, you know. Well, I don't need to figure out how much in the point spread Ryan Fitzpatrick is worth versus the backup. I just need to go ahead and bet against the Washington football team, knowing, hey, maybe the line's going to move two points. Maybe it's going to move four. But let me get I got to get at that bet as soon as possible because everyone else is going to see it eventually, and the line certainly is going to move. So I've got some other thoughts I wanted to get your reaction to, especially as it relates to certain teams that are clearly being aggressive. I think we talked about it last week when you've got the Arizona Cardinals going ahead, J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, trading for Rodney Hudson, all in their 30s. You can tell in my mind, Steve, the teams that have GMs that know they are on the hot seat and 
are spending like they know they have to win that year. I think Arizona's in that category. The other one more recently is the Giants. I mean, based on people I've spoken to, it seems like they outbid themselves for Kenny Galladay at wide receiver, for a Dory Jackson at corner. You know, it's very rare, Steve, for guys to get deals that big that many days into free agency. Do you look at it and say that's good because Giants are pulling out all the stops to win this year or that's bad because the Giants don't know what they're doing, they're overpaying for these guys, or that's good. I don't care if they're overpaying. I don't care what it means long-term. It means the Giants are going to be a better football team this year. Well, I'm not an evaluator of NFL talent, but I can tell you that those who are think very highly of Adoree Jackson. They think very highly of Galladay. I can tell you that Detroit Lion offense did not work when Galladay wasn't in, and he only played five games. So the key with Galladay is, is he going to be healthy or not? I do want to address Arizona. I just don't understand this at all because I watch a lot of NFL games. You watch a lot of NFL games. A.J. Green's going to turn 33 July 31st. He is done. He is shot. He's a, he was a great player. He had a horrific year with the Bengals. The eye test says he is not a number one, a number two, or a number three wide receiver. He's barely qualified to be in the NFL anymore. To give him $6 million guaranteed is just as, as egregious a mistake as I've ever seen. Now, this, this is just eye test. What does Fezzik know? So I went ahead and I looked up some numbers on A.J. Green. The Cincinnati Bengals – when they targeted with their their, um, their quarterbacks with Burrow and Ryan Finley, et cetera, anyone not named A.J. Green, they completed 68% of their passes. However, when they threw to A.J. Green, they completed less than 50% of the passes that went to him. I can't recall if it was 45 or 47%. So literally, A.J. Green was completely the weak link, and periodically he's meant so much to the Cincinnati Bengal organization that they said, you know, we're going to target A.J. Green this game, but he just got no separation at all. And even when he caught the ball, he only got 11 yards per catch, which is, which is nothing special. This A.J. Green signing is a fireable offense, in my opinion. They wait, Arizona Cardinals wasted $6 million. Speaking of the Bengals, they go ahead and you have Andy Dalton, their former quarterback, who was in Dallas last year. He is in Chicago when they thought they were going to get Russell Wilson and people are not happy about it, Steve, at all. Your thoughts on Dalton in Chicago where he has said he was told he would be the starter? I don't understand it because I look at Andy Dalton. I look at Mitch Trubisky. I look at Foles. All three of these guys are ranked from 25 to 29 in my quarterback ratings. Throw a blanket over all three. They're all identical. The bottom line, the Bears have been exceptional at finding above average backup quarterbacks to choose as their starting quarterback, that is not a successful strategy. Yeah, that's interesting, especially when they already had Foles, so they didn't need to pay Dalton the $10 million. And And by the way, Steve, Trubisky only got $2.5 million, and the Bears cut Kyle Fuller, one of their four best defensive players, so they could afford Andy Dalton. Why didn't they sign Ryan Finley? Now, I get it. I, I'm sorry. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, are they anti-great beards? I mean, there's got to be. Is there, there must be something in the NFL. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if there's not 
Um, if, if, if Fitzpatrick isn't being blacklisted by some teams because they just don't like guys with great beards and they're jealous because it makes no sense to me. Well, speaking of no sense, I'm a little confused by the whole Russell Wilson thing. You know, now he's back to saying go Hawks at the end of interviews. Chicago made a big play to try to trade for him. It didn't happen. I guess he'll be back in Seattle. I still think it's weird he went public that he doesn't like getting hit. And, I mean, think about how disrespectful that is the offensive lineman to say that. And, by the way, you hold on to the ball, Russell. Throw the ball away. Like, what are you talking about? So, it seems like he'll be back in Seattle at this point. Steve, they did bring back Chris Carson. They lost Shaq Griffin. Did you ever think he'd be gone? Did the futures market ever impact that for Seattle? Do you have any thoughts on Seattle? No. For the, for the most part, the expectation was always that Russell Wilson was going to come back. I will say this. I don't think the O-line has done him any favors. So you're right. You can't trash your O-line. You've got an O-line perspective there, Ross. So um, – Let's hope Russ goes ahead and splurges on some extra gifts for his O-line to patch things up that way. But for years, he did manage to evade the rush better than any quarterback. I think he slowed down a notch. I wanted to ask you, what's the, what's the best gift you ever got from your starting quarterback over the years? Uh, well, there was two. There was Bledsoe back-to-back years. The one, he got us plane tickets wherever you wanted to go. So my wife and I used that for our honeymoon which was amazing to Hawaii. I think it was 1500 bucks each, like $3,000 he gave us. And then the next year he gave us Motorola Droid flip phones back when that was like the coolest phone out there. And you could, uh, he paid the bill unlimited minutes for a year. That ended up being like three or four years before his mom finally called and cut us off. It was awesome. I wonder if she called on the Motorola phone. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but I called my mom after I got the phone and she answered the phone. Steve was like, hello. I'm like, hey, mom, how are you? Why are you acting so weird? She's like, oh, the caller ID said D Bledsoe. <laughs> so my mom thought Drew Bledsoe was calling her and she was all excited. I don't know what I don't know what the heck happened. By the way. Speaking of Bledsoe in New England, when he was there, you know, these some of these signings, the New England Patriots sign like Aguilar and the tight ends, they look a lot worse now, Steve, after all these other deals came through. Yes, yeah, so you have the money to spend, and so sometimes maybe you overspend. That's um I don't know. I in Belichick I trust. I um I'm never gonna disagree with something the New England orga- organization does. So uh, let's get to an email question. We have a, a minute or two, Brian. Let's hit it. Ever wanted to ask a professional sports better a question? It's time to Ask Steve. All right, Steve. This one comes to us from Chris Aronchik from SteakhouseSports.com. Chris got a cool website. We're going to have him on the show sometime soon. Uh, as sports gambling becomes legal in more states... I was wondering if you are seeing greater demand for your expertise in the form of new clients. Do you think the gambling expert business is growing? And if so, by how much over the next few years? Thanks. Keep up the great work. Reminder, you take advantage of any of our sponsors or you become a patron. Patreon.com slash RT Media. 
You can ask Steve any question you'd like. What do you got, Steve? So it definitely is increasing the business. And the bottom line is you look at the um, the average sports fan that bets a little bit on the side. Maybe he's had a local bookie, but like maybe he's got like he's a dentist and he's got his own practice. And you know what? He's living in Virginia and it's just not worth it. It's not worth like all of a sudden he might get involved with some kind of scandal and maybe the guy he's going through gets implicated in something else. Ah, don't bother with it. But now that he can bet legally and licensed and regulated and it's all on the up and up, that's a guy that instead of betting maybe a couple times a year during the tournament or the Super Bowl, all of a sudden is now betting every week. It's a good point. Yeah, Steve, you're going to be in a good business to be in. Follow him on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, and make sure you check us out next week because it is going to be epic. Sean Grady, the our, our buddy from Australia who grades us each and every week during the NFL season, he has data upon data upon data for how we did different things I cannot wait to dive into and the much-promised recap of all the years we have to date, Sean will tell us where we really stack up. We get emails from you guys sometimes. You want to know? Well, you're going to know next week here on the Even Money Podcast. Other than that, good luck on betting on the NCAA tournament at DraftKings Sportsbook this week. Hope you guys make some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana. 109 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.